Turn with me, please, if you will, uh, to the book of Ephesians. You know, Pastor Ken, or Pastor Ken, I'm Pastor Ken, I'm the Pastor Glenn. That's me, isn't it? Where did he go? He was over there a minute ago. Uh, Pastor Glenn uh, said to me, or said this morning that he was uh, um, around the table that this word dropped in about drawing and and uh, there's Sarah uh, had picked draw me nearer and what a way, what a blessing to know that the Lord's working through the worship team uh, as well. Uh, it's just tremendous. And God is still working. Last Sunday evening, if you weren't at the prayer meeting on Wednesday night, on Sunday evening, or <laughs> my head's away today, Wednesday evening, last Sunday evening, I was telling the people that there was two people came to the Lord after the meeting, uh, two 27-year-olds um, came to the Lord. One saved, one was a backslider and returned, and another one's come back during the week, but I'm saying no more about that because I haven't seen them yet, and I want them to talk about it uh, and tell people, confess with their mouth themselves. So that's three this week, so we give God the glory. So the Lord's moving in every other direction. Let's hope I can keep my mind together while we gather around the word of the Lord here. Ephesians, please, chapter 6. This is part two of the wiles of the devil. I've had some tremendous feedback this week from this, and I just trust that the Lord will uh, make it a blessing again this morning. Let's just read from verse 10. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That is all believers, not all canonized saints that we hear of. That is all believers. Let us pray. Father, take your word this morning and take this man this morning and take us up in the spirit that we may rightly divide this word of truth. Bless those who are in the creche and bless those who are in children's church, the leaders and the teachers and all those children. My Lord, bless us here this morning. And those who are watching, bless them and encourage them, Lord, and give them their portion. Father, we tell you that we need you and we love you. And we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the blood that was shed, his precious blood. Glorify his name this morning. For Jesus' sake, I ask it and pray. Amen. Can I just say before we start, is everyone warm enough? Everyone warm enough? Okay. Can we just make sure the heat stays on, please? Because I was down there, it got a bit cold before the heating came on. And I, and I, there are people be a wee bit warm than, a, than too cold. Thank you. Last week we looked at 
the wiles of the devil, the wiles, the methodia, uh, is the word, the methodia, it means where we get our word, the methods, the methods from the devil. What does the devil do in the life of the believer even? What does the devil do to uh, cause you and I consternation, trouble, things that happen to us? What does he say to our mind? You know, the, the mind is a big part of it because the mind is a battlefield. The mind is a battlefield, more so for some than for others, but nevertheless, uh, for belief, for faith, for everything, the mind is a battlefield, and it's a battlefield where wars are fought and won, or wars are fought and lost. And it's how you believe, and it's what you hear, and how you hear it. Whether it, will, it will determine whether you what way you hear it or what you do with it, whether you'll win that war or whether you'll lose that war. That battle has gone on in your mind, in your heart. The methods of the devil is to attack the mind, to twist God's word, to attack the heart. God willing, we'll, we'll look at this. But remember last week we told you that this word, methodia, gives the idea of a malignancy. A malignancy. And the devil is a, a malignant foe. He just doesn't attack once and leave or doesn't just try once and leave or test once and leave or tempt once and leave, but rather he comes back again and again and again. Now, three things I want you to know about the devil before we go any further. He is not omnipresent, so he's not in everybody at once or attacking everybody at once. But the demonic spiritual wickedness that Paul writes about here in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So he, he, he himself, Satan himself, is not omnipresent. Secondly, he's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful, and we looked at that last week too. And again, if I could put it like this, He's more powerful than man, but God's more powerful than him. So he's not omnipresent, he's not omnipotent, and he's not omniscient. He's not all-seeing, he's not all-knowing. Only your Father in heaven is, so your Father knows and your Father sees. Wherever you are, the state, the condition, the position that you find yourself in with the trials and the testings, and the troubles, all of those things, your Father is always, always in control. And we must remember that because when these things come against us, we all can struggle at times. The, the devil, the, his wiles, the methodia, the methods of the devil, they're malignant. He wants to be evasive. He wants to come in like a cancer comes in. And I know it's a terrible word. But it's what it is and it can spread. And he wants to do that. Spread in your life, in your heart. And it affects your, your marriage. It affects your family. It affects your walk with God if you allow him. If you let him. And of course, uh, it gives the idea of his cunning arts and his trickery. And so Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God. Remember last week we looked at the word whole armor. And then we took you. Uh, to Luke's Gospel, where we looked in, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, that 
the strong man binds until a stronger than him comes along. And the strong man is the devil. It can be an old satanic, demonic uh, influence over, not in now, not in, but over a Christian. Not possession, but oppression, oppression, oppressing the, the Christian, making you uh, take on his lies, the twisting of God's word to cause you to doubt. His malignancy starts to come and And whenever we are in the middle of all of these things, it's hard to see past it, but there's a strong man that is the devil. He he wants to hold you down. He wants to hold you back from moving forward. He wants to keep you depressed. He wants you to think that, uh, that there's no hope for you. But the stronger man than him came and crushed his head at Calvary. And you're saved this morning. You are Christ this morning. If you're a believer... That is, if you're saved by grace through faith and you're washed in the blood, you are Christ. So the stronger man has come and defeated the strong man who was over you. And we looked at that last week. And what does it say? I told you the whole armor of God is mentioned twice here in Ephesians 6. And it's also mentioned only in a different term. That that is, the Greek term is mentioned in uh, Luke chapter 11 when it says that the stronger man comes and he takes all his armor and his spoils off that one who was strong. And hence the Lord came and he takes all the armor, as it were, off the devil. Listen, the devil isn't all powerful. Your father is. And the devil will have no hold over you, believer. You need to listen. Now you need to take it in. And and I'm saying it because I hear it week in, week out. I get it uh, on between emails and messages and text messages, Christians fearing, Christians worrying, Christians concerned, Christians struggling with worldliness. Listen, Christian, the only reason you're struggling with worldliness is because you're in a fleshy body and you're allowing the wicked spiritual forces to tempt you away. If the Holy Ghost is in you and you're a believer, then greater is he that is in me. We sang it last week, didn't we? Than he that is in the world. Christ is in you. He is your hope of glory. Now you need to hear this. There's no part of you, no part of your life, no part of your marriage, no part of your home, no part of your family, there's no part of you whatsoever that Satan should have a stronghold over because you're under new management when you got saved. You belong to Christ. You have a stronger man. It's like the old course used to say, uh, Satan, uh, Jesus is greater than Satan in sin, and Satan to Jesus must bow. I'm going to say it again. I want you to hear it because it's true. Jesus is greater than Satan and sin, and Satan to Jesus must bow. Listen, give him your testimony. Give him your testimony. When the devil comes, when the enemy comes and starts to speak to your mind and into your heart and causes you to be anxious and worried and concerned, starts to pull you down. Give him your testimony. You're putting on the whole armor of God. You've got your head covered, haven't you? The helmet of salvation. I'm saved by grace, devil. You can't get, you can't get me. I'm saved by grace, you'll never take me. I've got a breastplate of righteousness on, and that's not mine, but that is Christ. 
I've got the girdle of truth. You know what that means? All the armor was tied onto this girdle, this undergarment. All the armor was tied to it so as you could move freely. I'm not strict. I'm not bound. I, this Christian life, it isn't a drudgery. I love being saved. I've got the girdle of truth on me. I love knowing I'm forgiven of my sins. I love knowing that Christ is my Savior. I don't care what the world thinks or what other people say. I'm saved. And I love being saved. I love being a child of God. I love walking this life. And I love the battle that I'm in because I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Brothers and sisters, this is the language you should be speaking when you are going through these things. Righteousness, Christ's righteousness, the breastplate. I've got new shoes. They are new shoes, by the way. Do you like them ones? <laughs> nice and shiny, aren't they? Not be shiny for long. They'll be scuffed and everything. What do you see? Have new shoes on. The preparation of the gospel of peace. There's peace in my heart because I've received the gospel. Peace in my heart because I heard with the ears dropped into my heart and I believe everything Jesus says. I believe everything Jesus has done for me. I believe when Jesus died, he died for me. Do you believe that? Never mind the person in front of you, behind you, or beside you, or anywhere else. Do you believe when Jesus died? Do you believe when Jesus shed his blood? Do you believe when he went to the cross and cried, it is finished, and he bowed his head and laid it on a pulseless breast, that it was for you? Do you believe it? Because I believe it. Devil, I'll tell you something. See, when Jesus died and he crushed your head, he done it for me. He done it for me. Brothers and sisters, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You're loved this morning. He loved you so much he died for you. This old one, the wilds, and the authority of the devil, you know, he comes with all of his different methods and he tries all his different things. But Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. See the word uh, whole armor, the holer, it's the word panoplia. That's where we get our word uh, panoply from. Uh, a panoply would be, so, you know, you go maybe somewhere for dinner and somebody sets out all these dishes for you. You know, everything that they have in the cupboard nearly and they've cooked it for you. That's a panoply of food. Such an array, such an, a vast amount. All different shapes, sizes and shadows and types. You know, tastes and everything. You go, wow, look at all of this. I think the Mexicans do that, don't they? I've never been to one of those, but they put all these different foods out. A whole panoply of foods. The idea is that the Lord in Luke 11 he went to the devil and stripped him of any armor that he had, of any weapons that he had, and he set it all out like a panoply of armor. And he says, now give me all that you've taken from these and all of your spoil. And he robbed the devil. Brothers and sisters, the devil, he can only shout. He can only shout. It's whether you listen to him or not. He can only shout. It's whether you believe him or not. And it's whether you believe the devil and his lies. He's the father of lies. And every spiritual force and uh, uh, ignorance of wickedness this, uh, this malignant one carries. Or whether you believe the word of God and your father's word. It's what you believe and how you receive and the way you walk in it. And the way you walk in it. Because the devil wants to destroy you. 
But the devil can't destroy you. You know why? Because you're covered in the blood. Because you're covered in the blood. And he can't cross the bloodline. Cannot cross it. Notice here in Ephesians 6, if you will, verses, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Strange because the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. And I'm sure if I have all this armor on, you know, I could just go mad and attack the devil. And, you know, and listen, and I've been part of a deliverance ministry at time for the unsaved before they get saved. Now, the unsaved, I didn't say it for the believer. If you're a believer, I don't believe in all this deliverance ministry for believers. If you're saved, you're saved. When the, when the Lord comes in, when the Holy Ghost comes into a man and woman, the devil goes out. The devil goes out. But I'm talking about for the unsaved. And I've seen it. And I've seen demonic influence. And I've seen demonic uh, spirits manifest. I've seen it. I've been there. I've had one with a man, a big man too. He lapped off as a tea. He was like a, he was, he was like a, a, a springbok. He was that quick. Jumped off, grabbed me by the throat and had me on the floor in two minutes. Eyes black, pool, like black pools of ink. Squeezing the life out of me and I managed to get, over onto my, get him over onto his back and there was three of us took us to hold him down. I've seen it, I've been there. So I'm not saying it's not real. But here's what I'm trying to tell you, brothers and sisters. If you're a believer, don't you allow these people who come along and say you're full of demons if you're a believer. Do you hear me now? If you're saved, if you're washed in the blood, then you're Christ's. And the problem is many believers are not sure. They're not sure. Are you saved this morning? If you're not saved, you're still under his influence. But are you saved this morning? Have you been washed in the blood? Are you sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise when you get saved? Yes, you are. Brothers and sisters, this morning, if you're saved, if you know that you're saved, and I'm talking about if you know, I'm not waiting for a man to come along and to say to me, well, Ken, I believe you're a saved man. I, I don't care what anybody else says about me whether I'm saved or not. I know I'm saved. That's not arrogance. That's because I believe what my Savior did for me and what my Father says about me. Saved. Saved by grace. Are you saved this morning? If you're saved this morning, would you shout hallelujah? hallelujah. Aye, there's a lot of saved voices coming up. Would you shout it again? Amen. You see, it's, it's understanding I'm saved. Because the devil comes, especially on your own, when you're feeling vulnerable, when you're in your bed at night especially, talks to your mind, speaks to your heart. I'm not saying it's Satan himself, but influences, demonic influences. It also works through flesh. Other flesh, to say a wrong word to you. Other flesh to come and speak a word over you. Other flesh to come and to pull you down. Listen, 
Proverbs 18, verse 21. Listen to what it says. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In other words, the flesh can speak about others in flesh and and tear that person down, destroy them, kill them in their heart. How we deal with one another, speak to one another, the flesh, your own flesh, can be your own worst enemy. Let's say there's the threefold flesh, the world, or uh, enemy, pardon me, is the world, the flesh, and the devil. So let's say all the world got converted. And let's say the devil dropped dead. You've still got an enemy when you get up in the morning, haven't you? Yourself. Yourself. You look at that person in the mirror, there's your competition. Child of God, you see, if you're saved, your competition's the man or the woman that you see first thing in the morning. I don't mean if you're married and your wife's beside you, brother now. Or your husband's sister. I'm talking about I'm talking about your competition is the one that you get up to brush your teeth or whatever you need to do, you know, and you get up in the morning, your hair's all over the place, and maybe you have an eyeball around the back of your ear by the time you straighten your face up, you know. And you're looking in the mirror, that's your competition. Really, the devil's no competition. The world's no competition. But he might use that to speak to your flesh. Or he will come to speak to your flesh, to tempt your flesh, to love the world. We're told to stand. That's all we got to do. Take your stand. We're told to stand against the wiles or the methods of the devil. And in verse 13, he says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day. We looked at it last week. We don't want to go on with it. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. So the, the apostle's telling us something. And the word here, devil, is the word, in this instance, is the word diabolos. Would you say diabolos? Do you know what it means? It's where we get our word diabolical. The methods of the diabolical one, the malignancy, and his diabolical methods. The malignant one, the diabolical one. It's used 34 times for the word Satan. It's used one time for the word Judas. Imagine Judas. He gets the name of a devil. It means slanderer, false accuser, one who attacks another's character and reputation through slander, backbiting, defamer, maligner, vilifier, one who belittles another, Gives the idea of one who acts the part of the devil. So if you allow an oppression, even as a believer, you're oppressed, not possessed now, oppressed, and you allow it to get you down so low, you start acting like the devil. Everybody's hateful and wrong and everything you do is right. Or see him over there. He's this side of the other. See her over there. She's this side of the other. And everything, nothing can be right or wrong. Listen, 
Not, nothing can be righted, and the wrongs can't be helped. You get into this mindset where you're on your own, and it's been so long, you've been cut off from fellowship. Listen, see when people are cut off from fellowship. I've said it before. They're vulnerable. They're vulnerable. And the idea here is this diabolos, the, the methodia, how diabolos it is, the wiles of the devil, the one who comes to slander, the one who comes to belittle, the one who comes to defame. And what does he say when he's belittling? See, I can one. Belittles you to God. He belittles you to God, slanders you to God. He's accuser of the brethren to God believer but your father looks at you and he looks at you through a medium of the blood of your son and he sees nothing wrong with you he sees no sin in you he belittles God the man he accuses God of not answering prayer he accuses God I didn't he let you down didn't answer the prayer the way you thought he was going to answer. Ah, but this wouldn't have happened if God truly loved you. This is, in your family wouldn't have happened if God really loved you. But that was God to men and women. This would never have taken place if God really thought that much about you. Oh, you, you wouldn't have got sick if God really loved you. Hence, this whole, if you're sick, you're not loved by God, which is a nonsense. So he slanders you to God. He slanders God to you. And he slanders you with others, man to man. Belittles them. Pulls them down. And here's where it brings us, brothers and sisters. It brings us that we have a bitter spirit and an angry heart. I was talking to someone this week. I called to see them. I had to do a wee thing for them. And on the way out, I want to be careful how to say this, thinking how to say this. So there have been a few times that they'd maybe there's been words spoken out of turn. Let's put it like that. And so they asked me then, out of the blue, would I do something for them? And I said, yeah. And afterwards, I was walking out and I said, I, 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 I forgive very quickly. And I says, good. You should do. Do you forgive quickly? Because I was the one that was against. And I says, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'm walking away from them. I just want to be careful how I bring this out, but I said to them, I got to my car and I turned around and I called them by their name. They're at their front door. I says, here's what it's like living in unforgiveness living with a bitter spirit and a bitter heart. Especially against people who have hurt you. Here's what it's like. It's like you drinking poison 
and expecting the other person to die. It's like you drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And they just stood looking at me and went, I suppose you're right. Brothers and sisters, all of this, if you have a, people, we all have our seasons, we all have our moments, we all have our times and our days, we all have our problems, and there's times when we are not up to scratch, there's times when we have our, you know, our attitudes and uh, because of maybe a spe- certain way we're feeling or what we're going through at the time, and that's acceptable because we're human. But there's some people for years, and all they do, they hate the world. They just hate the world. And because you're the pastor, they hate you too. Or the pastor, the elder, or whatever. Hate the world. There's nothing you can do to help them. Everything you try to reach out to them to try and encourage them with. And at the end of it, what happens when that hate the world or that bitterness? Nobody's right. Everybody's at fault. You're not doing enough for you. haven't been good enough for me. What happens when you've tried and tried and tried and tried and tried until you can try no more and you're almost worn out and worn down with it? Let me tell you what I do. This is where we're standing. I just do this. God bless you. God bless you. Sometimes God's blessed subtraction is better for you than a blessed addition. That's straight talking, isn't it? I'm just being straight with you. Being honest with you. By all means, we reach out, we try. But there's some people, and they just allow the devil to use their mind, to use their heart, to use their flesh, to use their mouth. Continuously. For years. And so I wonder sometimes, I'm talking about me personally, I'm giving you some of my personal thoughts here, hopefully to help, because you may find yourself in a position like this. Sometimes I wonder when I step back and look at it and go, Lord, are they saved? Do they know you? Are they, really, are they saved at all? Do, do they have a, a relationship with you? I leave that to God. You see, Paul tells us, put on the whole armor of God. You know what it gives the idea, put on, by the way? It gives the idea to sink down into. <laughs> to sink down into. Get right into the armor as if you're sinking into water. Be fully covered. And it's the whole panoply, the whole panoply. Don't leave any of it off, he's saying. And get it on and keep it on. So, if you look with me to Matthew's Gospel, please. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. I want to show you just for a few moments the methodia of the devil. What What a greater test could there be than to see the Lord Jesus being tempted of the devil? Not only tempted off the devil, tested by his father. God tempts no man now. But sometimes in 
in the devil's temptation and his working to try and get you to be motivated in a certain way which is not of God, you have to see for yourself in this and understand that maybe the Lord's allowing this. Remember, as one old Puritan says, uh, that Satan is God's ape. Satan is God's ape. God, you know, the, Lord, the Lord's the organ grinder here, as, so to speak. Um, Satan is the monkey. Basically, that's what he's saying. We have to remember, maybe the Lord's allowing this at this time. The devil may try his worst, but God's doing something in me. God's doing something in me. God's testing me to see my faith. God knows your faith. It's you don't know it. You and I think we know it. Peter, I will go with thee into prison unto death. Not night, he denied the Lord three times. Matthew 4, verse 1, please. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, without reading the whole lot, we take another morning, but the Lord here, it says in verse 1, he's led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Capital S, meaning the Holy Spirit. So Jesus has just been baptized in the River Jordan. The voice from the cloud, this is my beloved Son whom I am well pleased. Spirit comes and descends on him, uh, his anointing in the river, and there it is, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, representing the Holy Ghost. And now he's led up out of the river and right into the desert. For 40 days, for 40 nights, nothing to eat. Possibly nothing to drink, hardly. But take note of this. The Spirit leads him now if... This is God, the Holy Ghost. So if God would lead him, if the Spirit would lead him into the wilderness to be tempted, get that. He didn't say, go into the wilderness and fast and pray to me, son. Speaking to the man, Christ Jesus. You're going into the wilderness and I'm taking you there purposefully to be tempted. The devil does the tempting, but it was his father that was doing the testing. See the word led here? It's the word anago. 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 And it means to come into the midst of something and to show the way out. The Holy Spirit comes to the River Jordan into the midst of it, the form, bodily form of a dove, and leads the way out to be tempted of the devil in the wilderness. If you were reading, just flick quickly, keep your finger there and mark that. Turn with me to, to Mark's Gospel, please.
And let your, oh sorry, Mark's Gospel, I'm trying to find, chapter 1, verse 12. Verse 12. It says, And immediately the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, driveth him. Notice the difference. And I'll go from uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, led him. Here we're told the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. Has the Holy Ghost in, in inspiration got it wrong here? One's led and one's drive. Which one is it? It's both. Anago means he to come in and to lead on out. To lead on out. For example, in Psalm 42 and verse 2. Yeah, I think it's verse 2. Psalm 42 and verse 2. It says that he brought me up also out of an horrible pit and from the merry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Put a new song on my mouth. He brought me up. It means that the Lord led David up out of the way, out, out, of, the, out of the pit, out of this merry clay, and he leads us at times in our, our pits of despair and anxiety and, and, and fretfulness and even in mourning, and, and he helps lift us out of that pit. But the word driveth here is the word achbalo. Achbalo. And the word ach means out from within. Out from within. And balo means just to bring on out or to drive on out. The idea is that you have come to church this morning and you have come right into here. You've partaken of the meeting. You're right in the center of the meeting and you will leave. You'll go out from within. That's ach, E-K, out from within. And the word driveth here is, it gives, I'll tell you where's a good one to look at when you get home. Um, Genesis chapter 3. I can't remember the verse, forgive me. But it says, and the Lord drove the man out of the garden. Now, Achbalo is in the Greek text Drove in the Old Testament uh, is the Hebrew text, but they're the two corresponding words in what's known as the, the Greek Septuagint, the Old Testament written in Greek. But the word for, in, the, in the Hebrew text of, of the, so the Lord drove them on out of the garden. That is the Garden of Eden, drove Adam out. And the, the word there is the word garash. Garash means to drive, to expel, to throw out. It also means to di- divorce. In other words, God divorced Adam out of Eden. It means he expatriate. He took him and he threw him right out. And he says, you and I, he says, our communion is finished. Our fellowship is done. Hence, death had come because of his sin. And it's the same, it's the same word, same text here. Uh, pardon me, the same connection from the Hebrew to the Greek. And it means to divorce, to drive out. And hence, in the Septuagint Greek, New Te- Greek uh, Old Testament in the Greek, uh, is the same word as achbalo for garash. And since it's the same then, it gives the idea that the Spirit not only led Jesus up out of the water to take him into the wilderness to be tempted off the devil, but the Holy Ghost, that means he came right into the midst of everything within Christ. 
Remember, he's almighty God in flesh. He is deity. And here takes him out, divorces him for what's happening at the river, divorces him from what's happening among the crowds, and it totally separates him off, bringing him into the wilderness and plants him right in the middle of where the devil will tempt him. So you ask yourself the next time, the devil's at me, maybe another uh, satanic, devilish uh, influence, and it may be. But if you're saved this morning, and you're blood-washed this morning, and you're Christ this morning, and the next time the fear comes, the worry comes, the anxiety comes, and all of those thinking in your bed, you know, what if you die in your sleep? Well, then you'll be in glory. All the time when it comes, you must be able to rest your head on a pillow, brothers and sisters, even in the midst of feeling ill, knowing that if you pass on in your sleep, that you'll be in with Christ, which is far better. And the idea of it is, sometimes we feel garage, as if we've been driven into a circumstance, driven into a problem, driven into this, that, or the other. And you know what you feel? You feel as if you're divorced from everything that God is. But the problem was, God never left him. He was always God. But the devil came to tempt him. So ask yourself, even speak to, even speak to yourself, hold on. All these lies in my head, all these lies in my thoughts, all of these lies that I'm listening to, because that's what they are. All of this negativity, all of this bitter speak. Listen, see if someone's dragging you down every time you see them and they're negative and they're bitter and they're angry and they're just giving off about this and that and the other and they never give up and never quit. Then you divorce yourself from that situation. Move away from it and start seeking God on it. You need to understand that you are his and when the devil comes, it's a case of you saying, hold on, maybe the devil's testing me or trying me and tempting me. But my Lord's just showing me what is in me. My Lord's putting something in me. See, whenever the drink comes, you know, some people, they're struggling with drink. I was at a, a, a conference, called a, a conference last year. And I think I maybe told you this, but There was a question and answer, and after it, and I, I, I was speaking out of like, and, and this young man, the pastor says, question and answer, you want to ask the pastor anything? I hate that, because then you don't know sometimes what to say. This young man says, I got saved, baptized in water, great, praise God, but I still take cocaine every day. I says, you need to go and test your salvation and see if you're even saved, son. I have no problem with people trying to get rehabs and all that. So I understand that sometimes those things are helpful and necessary. I understand I've nothing against them. But brothers and sisters, here's my experience. I'm going to say it, and I know some are not going to like it, but see when the Lord saved me. Was I tested? Yes. Was I tempted? 
Absolutely. But see, when the Lord saved me and I had to cry unto him for mercy, I had to cry unto him for help. But see, when the Lord saved me, the Holy Ghost came in and the devil went out. He went out. I remember we were only, Austin and I were only married and we lived in our beautiful apartment in Mount Vernon. And we were doing children's ministry. And out of the blue, out of the blue, I don't know why, bang, like that, hit me. Temptation, drinking drugs. And the fear that hit my heart was unbelievable. And we're going to get a minibus to pick up kids. I'm teaching the kids. Never happened like this before. Out of the blue, bang, just hit me. And I'm saying, fear came. And obviously, Alison looked and said, are you all right? I can't go. Can't go to the church. Why not? I just can't go. I can't say. I was ashamed to even admit this. I can't go. I can't say. And this is the way the conversation went. I says, Alison, I just can't go. He says, Ken, what is wrong with you? I says, if I go out the door... I'm not going for the minibus. I'm going to go to the pub and I'm going to get drunk and I'm going to take drugs. And she was knocked back by this one. What? Where'd this come from? I said, I don't know. I said, but that's what's happening. I don't know. I can't go. I can't go. And the, the draw of it was so strong, I was nearly just going to get up and walk out the door and go. That's how bad it was. And I felt that fear of it because I'm saved. And I said, I can't go. And I was getting my head in a fluster. And I was going, I don't know what's happening to me. I can't go. I can't go. And she growls me and she goes, look at me. And I look, she says, have you prayed about it? No. She says, get on your knees. So she says, get on your knees. Still like that sometimes at home. All right, love. She says, get on your knees. And I says, no, I don't even want to pray. I can't pray. I have nothing to say. And this is where I was going. This came from out of the blue from nowhere. And I felt my whole body shaking. I don't know what's happening to me. And I says, I can't go. I can't go. And she says, get on your knees. And she got down on her knees with me. And we were sitting face to face. She just had me like this. Pray, pray. You're praying. That's why she kept going. You're going to pray, pray. And I'm going, I can't, I can't. I was, I was like a big Jenny on. Not allowed to say girls' blouse anymore. It's not politically correct. <laughs> and that's the way she was. She went, you're praying. And I seen her, she was tears rolling down her face. You're praying, pray. I started to pray and I started to pray. And I felt a bit stronger and I got up. She says, right, come on, we're getting this bus. And walked down. As I got out the doors, I was shaking like a leaf. Got into the car. And I was like, oh. I'm going to pull this over and tell her, you, you, you just go on. I, I can't do this. I got up to the church. And I seen all the kids that had already arrived. And we had to go up the Roth cool and around that direction, pick the kids up. I think it was maybe the thoughts of picking all them kids up in Roth cool. Maybe it was doing it. <laughs> I'm only joking. But. but you know, whenever I got there and we got the bus, as soon as I put, get into the driver's seat and I drove the bus, was going around in my head. She said I'd seen the kids coming and getting on the bus. She was in the bus with me. 
left me to God. And it's never come back again. See it in the grace of God. Never came back again. You see, he saves you. And he keeps you. For me, I'd have been away. wonder what tests some of us have been through recently and we've failed at. wonder what tests we've been through recently and we've failed. Oh, time's gone. I didn't realize the time. Spiritually, he's let in. He's hungry. Hasn't that? He's weak in his body. And the devil comes at that time. When you are spiritually low, when you are physically weak, when you are mentally drained, what he does? Twists God's word. Twists the word of God. Half God said you. You cannot eat of all the trees of the garden. God not say that you can do all of those things. He say we said everything, but not of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat of it. For the dead thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Has God not said, but you can, God knows you want, you'll be like him. And you'll not die. You'll surely not die. It starts to twist the word of God. It starts to turn the word of God around in your head. You're laying there, you know. You're going to get progressively worse in this illness, and you're going to get progressively worse how you're feeling, and you're never going to come out of this. You might as well give up. I know. Sure, why don't you just sit at home and sit in a stupor because the pastor said something you didn't like. I was told that during the week, by the way, on a visit. There's things you say I don't like. I say, it's okay, that's all right. But on the spirit side, I have to accept it because I know that the Lord wants to speak to me. They were saying it in a positive way. That's true. I'm not going. I'm in protest against the leadership. I'm not going. I'm in protest against the pastor. Well, listen, you're the one that's vulnerable, not me. Because I'm here with my brothers and sisters. I'm around the Lord's table. I'm staying true to the word of God. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves that gathers the manner of some is. I'm the one that's doing what I'm told. It's all manner of things. The methods of the devil can work through others. Can work in your own heart. Through your own flesh. To your own mind. And it's what you believe. Remember, the mind is a battlefield where battles are won or lost. What are you going to do when you leave here? Is he going to win? Is he going to win, the devil, or is the Lord? Is it God's word or the devil's word? God bless his word to you this morning. In Jesus' name. Tim, would you come up, please, and lead us in a closing hymn?